only come once with me to prayer. And the reason that he fasts is that I eat all the food. So we can have fun this morning, okay? Yes, it's good. Well, yeah, as Chris said, you know, we've moved into our church. Uh, we've been in there for three and a half years. And I want to encourage you, um, you know, it's, it's such a pleasure to be here with Chris. And um, we recently got back. I don't know whether we have the slides here, but I just want to honor Chris. You have a great pastor here. Um, there's, there's this bromance going on at the moment, but really he is such an anointed leader. Uh, having gone to Philippines, I saw the synergy at, um, with the local government, with the local churches there, um, even with the team. And I want to honor the team members here um, because hats off to these guys. Like, uh, where's Chris, Dr. Chris Lim? Would you like to stand? I'm going to embarrass them. Dr. Grace, Dr. Grace and John, would you like to stand up? Why, don't, why doesn't the whole team stand up? Dr. Diana as well, Daryl. Um, where are you guys? Andrew. Who else? Tony, Lob, I don't know, Megan. Lob. Can I... In our church, we do Thanksgiving, and I just want to say that these guys are fantastic leaders. They're fantastic leaders. They, um, you know, led the dental, uh, medical, even Dr. Grace led the team into the orphanage, and I'm so impressed with their leadership, all right? And um, I wish, do you guys come to FGA? No, you should. You really should. Um, really should. I went to Chris's church, this other Chris, Chris Lim. His pastor didn't even know him. All right? I'm like, what pastor doesn't know his own sheep? Anyway, that's inside one. Um, as well as Chris knows all of you, right? So, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be so naughty this morning. Do you guys love me? Yes. Do you really love me? Because I'm going to test that love right now. I'm really going to push it right now. I'm going to be so naughty. Chris, the eldership, know nothing about this. This is going to shock you. I've never, ever done this before. My, uh, my friends here from Brisbane know this. My congregation members know this. I've never done this before. And uh, I'll probably never do it again because this is probably not going to work. And you're all going to be shocked. And um, it's so naughty. It's so wrong. Um, Chris knows nothing about this. So I absolve them of any responsibility. But when Chris invited me down, you know, and, and Megan does a fantastic job organizing, she says... She said there, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll give you a love offering and um, an honorarium. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. So I'm really going to push this relationship. You know, I heard from another church, the biggest honorarium taken up, they let this other pastor, the guest pastor, do the, his own honorarium, right? He raised $45,000 for himself. 45000 Now, I want FGA. Melbourne is better than Brisbane, right? This church was in Brisbane. So I'm going to push Melbourne. I want an honorarium this morning. It's gone mighty quiet here. I want an honorarium that can rival that. Chris is like, his face has just dropped. Some of your faces are like, the, how on earth can the guest preacher do this? The audacity, the nerve of asking for money 
in this way. And some of you give me dirty looks, so I better explain what I'm doing. Okay? With my honorariums, I want you to give the biggest honorarium. Why? Because I always give the honorarium back. I don't take it. And I want the honorarium to go to your building fund. One clap. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to take it, all right? So, Chris, I, I don't know whether you're going to pay for my tickets. Don't worry. I'll just, I'm happy to come here and just serve you guys. But I want you to be blessed because I want you guys to have the best building. You need it. Because last year I had a dream, and it was a very, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes, three manifestations happen. Dreams, if you look at Acts chapter 2, the prophecy of Joel says, right, your old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions, so dreams, visions, and your daughters, sons and daughters will prophesy. Three things, dreams, visions, and prophecy. So I had a dream last year, and it was crystal clear. It was, uh, it was FGA, and it was almost like a restaurant, almost like a restaurant, okay? And it was so packed that in the dream, the building that we're in, Chris was there, okay? You guys were all there. And it was so packed that I knew when I woke up, I felt like we need another seating. We need another seating. It's just too busy. And I knew, and I woke up, I said, I knew from God that FGA, with your new building, you will be going into two services, minimum. You'll be going to two services. One service is not going to be enough to contain, right, what God is going to do through FGA. So this morning, I want to encourage you. I know that from God. I called out Chris and said, Chris, you've you got to prepare for two services. So worship team, all right, ushers, prayer team, you, Sunday school, you guys got to get this. You're going into two services. So um, this morning, I want to encourage you. Let's sow into the building fund. Let's take up this offering. Um, if you love me, give double what you want to give for me, but I'm just going to give it back to the church, amen? So I'll just invite the ushers to come and collect the offerings. Is that how you do it? Yeah? And I had this time, oh, and I can pray. Father, I just bless uh, FGA. I thank you, Lord God, for the dream that you've given. Father, I declare, Father God, you will bless this building. Father, cover Chris. Father, cover the whole team here, Lord God. Give them wisdom. Father, we pray for the whole building, Father, that the funds, Lord, will be released and they will have an incredible building. It's not about the building, Lord God, the physical building, but the souls, oh God, the people, the fellowship, the joy, the salvations. Father, we thank you for the lives that are going to be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so um, we're going to have some videos play, I think. Question. What are you called to do? Ask that question because we won't be judged according to what we did in life, but rather what we were called to do in life. Imagine with me standing before the throne of God and a scenario like this occurred. Evangelist Anderson, come forth and give an account of your stewardship on earth. E evangelist Anderson, I, I'm not an evangelist. I, I, I'm an accountant. I, 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 I had an accounting firm. I had an evangelist Anderson. Where are the 347,566 souls? I, 
I'm an, I'm an accountant. I, I had an accounting firm. I, I, I help churches. I help ministries with their, their, their finances. Son, where are the 347,566 souls in Asia I called you to impact? Son, where are they? Had you sought me, had you sought my face, I would have revealed this to you. Everything in regards to that man's call was burned up before the judgment seat of Christ. Accountant Jones, step forward and give an account of your stewardship. Uh, Accountant Jones? No, I, no I'm not. I pastored for 35 years. I, I, I had a, a membership of 750 people. Accountant Jones, I called you to the marketplace. Had you done this? you would have significantly impacted two people. You and those two men would have helped churches with their finances, and those churches would have impacted 751,321 souls. If you would have sought me, I, I would have revealed this to you. And again, in regards to this man's calling, everything he's done in life would be burned up for the judgment seat of Christ. Sister Smith, come forth and give an account of your stewardship. I only raised three children. I, I never preached to, to nations. I, never even been on a, a missionary trip. I, I only tried my hardest to raise my children in your way. Sister Smith, I never called you to preach to nations. I never called you to go to other countries on missionary trips. I called you to raise three children. And let me show you the 1,579,541 souls those three children impacted. You sought me and you heard my voice. You were obedient to my call. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So remember, in regards to the calling that's on your life, you won't be judged according to what you did. You will be judged according to what you were called to do. a bit of a dramatic video there about the calling. And this morning, I'm going to talk about kingdom calling. And before we get into the message, uh, just a few announcements. Um, there's a Vietnamese lunch after this, which is a fundraising for uh, Vietnam IPIN. 
All right, so don't forget to eat for missions after the service. And we do that in our church. And uh, there's no missions? It's oh, Just eat. Yeah, Roger just eats regardless of missions or not. His mission is to eat, actually. Um, oh, that's the calling. Okay. Um, and after that, I think at 12 o'clock, there is the session, I think, with myself for the ministry team, all right? Is that correct? So, hope to see you after that. Well, this morning, I want to talk to us about our kingdom calling, and I've entitled the sermon, Where There's Smoke, right? Where There's Smoke. And I want you to remember that video because we'll be looking at the calling of God. It's not what we do for God, but what God has prepared for us in advance to do. So, I'm going to be praying for people this morning with regards to the calling, the destiny in God. Do you know, it's interesting that if you remove God as creator, and we just started with the Big Bang and this, what happens if you remove the creator, you lose your purpose in life. When you lose purpose, you miss your destiny. When you miss your destiny, there's no accountability. And that video is not about, you know, it's a bit dramatic and all that, but really it's about coming before the judgment seat of Christ. We have to give an account for our lives. And in that video, I loved it because, you know, I was a lawyer before and I was thinking, oh boy, maybe I should have, what, what if God wanted me to stay in law? When you watch things like that, you go, did I make a mistake? You have to hear and know the call of God for your life. It is so important or we could miss it. And um, I want to encourage us that, you know, it's, it's such a, a wonderful thing to find your fit, to find your purpose, to know why you're here. To know the call of God is so important. So we're going to look at kingdom calling. But before that, um, uh, I want us to look, will this work? Oh, yes, it does work. Now, I, I just, you know, I, I did praise Chris, all right? He's a wonderful, he's an apostolic leader. And I just want to thank Chris for inviting me to the uh, Philippines mission trip. But I told him for all eternity, I'll never let this up. He took us to stay in the Uratel. And uh, it is a horrible hotel, <laughs> horrible hotel. Um, these are one of the inmates at the Uratel Hotel. That's a cockroach there, one of many in my room, all right? And um, so if you're thinking about coming to Philippines mission trip, uh, think again. No, but actually, I found a better hotel next door, all right? And I thank God it is like the Sofitel compared to this. So um, next year, it's going to be better, right? So I encourage you guys to come along. And just some quick testimonies. Um, you know, God surprises you. Um, I've, I've been praying for resurrection for a few people. Obviously, they're dead. Uh, and I've tried to be praying for them to be resurrected. I've been a little bit discouraged. Uh, you know, we lost a, a dear friend, a worship leader. He's only 49 years old um, just recently in our church. Prayed for him. Nothing happened. But on this trip, I was so surprised because this lady in the middle here, um, she, I got to meet her because she actually rose from the dead. She was dead for over five hours, um, and she woke up actually next to her own coffin, all right? They were about to put her into the coffin, and, she, and that was such a surprise. So, of course, when you, you, know, you meet someone who's come back from the dead, you say, what did you see? Now, she wasn't even a Christian at that time. She wasn't a Christian at that time. 
And she said, a bearded man came in white, came to her and said, this is not your time. And she said, you have to go back. She says, I don't want to go back. I want to stay here, right? And she was literally thrown back. And before she knew it, she was up in her body. She'd been dead for over five hours. Now, some of you, if you're skeptical like me, we go, oh, was that real? Was that? Her daughter was actually a Christian and started attending church at that time. And since that time, after her resurrection, um, she, uh, yeah, joined a church. She actually became a Christian, and now she wants to do Bible college. So praise God. Um, this other lady here, Rosalind Velasquez, uh, if you look on the left-hand side of her, her neck, um, she had a five, like a golf ball-sized goiter, and um, obviously this photo was taken after that, after the prayer. One of our team members prayed, uh, Gerald, he prayed for her with the translator, and the entire goiter disappeared right in front of them. So much so, she was so surprised. You know, she said, I came for prayer from another prayer room, and uh, they asked if I needed healing. She said, before that, my neck had the goiter. Swallowing my saliva was difficult. And after the prayer, it felt good and nice. Uh, the lump, I felt the lump shrink, and it shrunk. And she said, I hope this will continue. It really is a miracle. I feel light. The pain has gone. And uh, she just said, thank you so much. And the translator who was there said, I've never seen anything like this. And Gerald, our guy, said, I've never seen anything like this as well. And they were all stunned, all praising God. Um, so, you know, miracles happen. There was another man, I can show you the video. Uh, he was blind in his right eye, and uh, he could see after that as well. So, uh, just amazing things where people are going, wow, I can really see. I can really see. So they're trying to process it as well. And we try and process it as well. So wonderful, all right? Philippines mission, medical mission trip. Thank you to Chris. Thank you so much. Today I want to talk about our kingdom calling and where there's smoke. Now, when we got into our new building, this was about probably a year into moving into our new building. At 4 a.m. on a Saturday night, which was actually Sunday morning, I got a call. Normally, I switched my phone off, and I actually had it off, and I had it on vibrate right next to my bed. And it was around 4 a.m. I heard my phone, you know, vibrating, and I woke up, and our tech guy, right, Eugene, who's like Nick Tay, right, he, he says, 4 a.m. in the morning, I'm half asleep. He says, the church is on fire. And I was like, what? The church is on fire. New building, right, and everything. And he said, the church is on fire. I said, what is going on? It's just filled with smoke. Go, go, go. So I just jumped out of bed, right, and jumped into the car. 4 a.m., there was no traffic. So drove into church. It took me like seven minutes because I was just flooring it. And when I got there, we have three levels. And the bottom level, it was just filled with smoke, and I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a fire. The alarm was blaring, all right, and the neighbors had woken up. So some of the neighbors had uh, come around the building going, there's a fire, there's a fire. And, you know, I'm, I'm there trying to work out the fire panel, all right, and trying to switch it off. But I realized that when you switch it off and there's still smoke, it will re-trigger the alarm again. So I ran inside looking for the fire. There was smoke everywhere. It was thick. And I couldn't find the fire. 
And I was breathing in this toxic smoke before I realized it. I was like, this is getting hard to breathe, right? They say, when you're in a fire, get down low, go, go, go. I didn't do that. I was just, this is obvious. There should be a fire here. And there wasn't a, I couldn't see it. So by that time, I'd already called for the uh, fire brigade. And the fire brigade eventually came in. And what they found was, it was one of the Black & Decker microwaves in our student kitchen. And the electronics part had just melted at the back. And it just filled the whole place with toxic smoke. And... um, and it was such a, you know, we, we had to cancel Sunday school, all that kind of stuff because of the, 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 the toxic smell in the place. It was terrible. And I realized that you can have, whenever there's smoke, there's what? Fire. But I couldn't find the fire. It took the fire brigade to find it. And this morning, I want to talk to us about finding the source, finding the source of uh, our kingdom calling, kingdom life, kingdom culture. And I want to read a verse to you. It's in Romans chapter 14, 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, Roger, but of... Sorry, got to be serious. The kingdom of God is a matter of... Can we say it? Can we read it? Righteousness, living a life of goodness, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can we say that again? The kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of righteousness, living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we look at all the smoke, I want us to look for the fire. And the fire is the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not about all these other things. The context of this passage in Romans 14 was about food right? Legalism. Can we eat this? Can we eat that? Some, you know, celebrate this festival and that. And Paul cuts through all that, and he says, it's about righteousness, living a godly lifestyle, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to show you this morning that the Holy Spirit is indeed the source. He is the source of our fire. And we're going to look at this this morning. You see, righteousness speaks about sin, sanctification, purifying us. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will come and convict the world of sin. You see, the Holy Spirit, one of the things that He does, and can I say the Holy Spirit is often misunderstood. We think He's some force, some energy, you know, like, may the force be with you, you know, can you turn off the light for me, Holy Spirit, that sort of thing. It's, He is powerful. Yes, He is energy. Yes, He's fire and the symbols of wind, of water, and fire, which we'll get into, but He is a person. The Bible says you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And, our, you know, we pray to the Father. We know about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is a person. And I want to encourage you that we can have a relationship with Him. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, to live in the kingdom of God means being led by the Spirit of God. It's about Him. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He wants to purify us from all unrighteousness. If there's sin in our life, the Holy Spirit wants to deal with that. 
If there are things that we're doing in our own strength and doing things our own way, the Holy Spirit wants to deal with that. And I'll say a bit more about that. Peace is about prayer. All right? And I thank Pastor Roland for his teaching on the armor of God. It's very, very powerful. All right? The breastplate of righteousness is the Holy Spirit. And then it also talks about the peace, right? The shoes of peace which come from the gospel. The peace is when, do you know that when you go through life, there are a lot of things that come against us. Worries, distractions. Some of you are worried about jobs, visas, or, you know, this situation, this person at work. All these things. We worry about our kids. We've got this coming up. We've got that coming up. A presentation that I have to do. A report, a project, okay, a surgery. Whatever it is, we worry about these things. What we're called to do, and if I could demonstrate this, I don't know whether we have. Imagine that this is a ball. And um, who's actually good at rugby? Does anyone play rugby? Can someone pass me this ball? Roger, can you pass this to me? This is what we do to have peace. Not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God. He says, cast your cares onto me. So when these things come, and life is full of these issues, life is full of things to worry your mind, stress your mind, pass it on. Yep, didn't catch it. He's not the Holy Spirit. God would catch it, all right? Pass it on to God. He wants to take that. He wants to partner with us, amen? And finally, joy is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in His presence, there is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we pray, we are actually strengthened in His presence. You may not get an answer to prayer. Maybe it's wait. Maybe it's not yes or no, but maybe it's wait. But God will strengthen you and encourage you in prayer. I guarantee you that. Come to the prayer meeting and you will experience that. You will leave encouraged. Amen? Now, so to understand kingdom culture, we need to know the Holy Spirit. We need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will lead us into what? All truth. So He's the one. He's the one who's going to lead us. Um, recently, uh, we had a, a guest preacher, Pastor Josh from Perth, and in the night, it was interesting because we had Pastor Subi, some of you know Pastor Subi, and Pastor Josh. Both of them talked about dreams, right? And they didn't know what each other was talking. It was two weeks apart. Both of them began to deal with nightmares, people having nightmares in the church. And then Pastor Josh talked about dreams, visions and dreams. And he prayed for us on that Sunday night to have God-given dreams, okay? Not pizza dreams, okay? Not those ones, but crystal clear, high-definition dreams. And that night, I did have a dream, okay? I sound like Martin Luther King, okay? I had a dream. I had a dream for God. It was crystal clear. And I won't get into it because it's a developing testimony. But amazingly, we've been looking at a, we've been wanting to plant on the south side of Brisbane. And in that dream, I saw the building. I saw a building. I saw the location. It was semi-rural. It was green. I saw the roads. Um, I, tr I knew it was a school because 
my daughter goes to school, but it wasn't her school, but I knew I was going to pick her up. And I tried to enter this way. I couldn't. I had to come down the back road, a main road, and then enter into the other side. And when I woke up, I drew a map. I actually drew a map of what I remembered in the dream. And I brought it to Josh, and Josh said, let's pray about this. So we did. And amazingly, the next day, so that's Monday morning, Tuesday morning, a friend walks into my office, and I said, hey, have a look at this. And then he goes, wow, that's incredible. He says, and he got onto Google Maps, and he said, I've been driving past this property, and look at this. It matches the map that you've drawn. And the road on which that, that property is on, it's actually a church, okay, which looks like it's been run down, but it's actually on school road, school road. And I'm going, this is interesting. So we looked up the owner, who owns this piece of land? And we found out this guy's name. Um, and I found out that my mom has actually worked with him. My mom actually knows him. So we, we've, right, now we're getting in contact with him. And I want to see where this goes. Because I think it's God. We prayed for God dreams. And I believe that, you know, God is going to do something through that. So in kingdom culture, we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He will lead us step by step into things. Like when he led um, Peter to go to the house of Cornelius. Peter was too slow with the vision, right? He's the big white sheet, all the unclean animals. God said, eat it. And God said, what I've declared clean is clean. You eat it. He didn't understand it. In other words, God took Peter to the house of a Gentile, and through that incredible uh, incident, you see that the Gentiles, salvation came to the Gentiles as well. You see, the Holy Spirit leads us step by step. But for us to be led by the Holy Spirit, do you know what? We need to humble ourselves. Do you know, and, and I don't have time to preach a whole message on kingdom culture, but the whole thing is listed out in the Sermon on the Mount. That is Jesus' manifesto for the kingdom. And I just want to focus on the first thing that he said. This is his big sermon. This is his big one line. And he says, blessed are those who are what, poor in spirit, who realize their need for God, for theirs is the kingdom of what? Heaven. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. What does that mean? Does that mean you have to be poor? No. I realized as I spent, you know, I was meditating on this, and I realized, have you ever seen a beggar, right, in the Asian countries? Okay. We, obviously, we went to Manila, and, and one of our guys, Gerald, pulled out. He saw some street kids and wanted to give them. As he was going to pull out, he saw two of them. He was going to give them some coins. Before he knew it, there were five other kids that came from nowhere. They just materialized. Right? And they came running to Joe and began to mob him because he was handing out stuff. You see, we need to have that kind of attitude like the beggar. I am absolutely desperate. I need that handout. I need what you have. I need that resource. Otherwise, I have nothing. I don't even have food to eat. This is the attitude that we need of absolute dependence upon God. You see, you can't save yourself. I cannot save myself. My entire salvation is dependent upon Christ, upon what he did on the cross and that he rose again. You cannot save yourself. 
And the key to the kingdom is humility. If you try and save yourself, if you try and even find your own calling, you might even have a prophetic word that, yep, there's a great nation that's going to come from your line, okay, from your loins, like Abraham did. But what did Abraham do? He slept with Hagar, all right, his servant, and had an Ishmael. Was that God's plan? No, God had to get rid of Ishmael before he could have an Isaac. So we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit step by step, and you cannot do things your own way. Have you ever met a person that just keeps talking, 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 other than the preachers? Okay, talking, 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 and you can't even get a word in. Some of us are like that in our lives. Some of us are so focused on our career, so focused on our business, so focused on our studies, so focused on our children's studies, that God can't even get a word in. God can't even speak into that. And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's like a dove. Bill Johnson, Pastor Bill Johnson describes him like the Holy Spirit's like a bird on your shoulder. All right? He's gentle. When we get angry, we can scare it off. Have you seen a bird, you, right? You get angry, you do something sudden, shocking, and you can disrupt that. Now, we need to be totally dependent upon God. So, part of our kingdom calling is that we are a royal priesthood. See, our identity is in Christ. You are children of God. God loves you. And you know what Paul says? Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. There's another dimension. You, your identity is settled. When you are born again, you are sons and daughters of God. That is settled, okay? You're saved. But then he says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. There's another dimension there. Now, how, we, how do we live in this kingdom? Number one, you are called a royal priesthood. You've been called out of darkness into light. And as a royal priest, there's royalty in your veins, spiritually speaking, and you are children of God. But you are a priesthood. A priest must first minister before God and minister to God. Now, I've said this before. You, you all understand this, okay? So, this, the role of a priest is to minister firstly before God. Now, what do you do? Now, I've been focusing and teaching a lot about this in my church, and maybe I mentioned it before, but there's a pattern for priests given more than 3,000 years ago in Moses' tabernacle. You are called to be priests of royal priesthood. Now, the priests function in the courtyard. We could come in and leave our sacrifices there. But only the priest could enter into the second area, which is that tent of meeting, into the tabernacle. Now, I, can't, I don't have time to do a full teaching on this. This would take weeks. But I want to show you that as a priest, there are three, well, really five pieces of furniture that we can look at. One is the altar of burnt offering. When you walk in, you sacrifice. Jesus became our sacrifice. Right? Then there's the bronze laver where you, there's a washing, and the washing speaks of baptism, where we're cleansed. But now the priests walk in through that veil, and they go into the holy place. Now, I want us to look at this because there are three pieces of furniture 
that as a priest, a royal priest, you need to be aware of. Just three pieces of furniture. It's very, all right, minimalistic. Very simple, all right? And this is all you need. And it is a pattern for us. What are the three things? First of all, there is the menorah, the lampstand. The second thing that you see on the other side is the table of showbread. And then there's the altar of incense. Now, why is this important? Because this is kingdom living. How do we live in the kingdom as royal priests? Now, you can be serving God as we're called, first of all, to serve God, to minister to Him, right? So, we're going to look at that. But the second thing that you're actually called to do is, as a priest, is you serve God first, but then you turn from the altar and you begin to serve the people. Now, some of you may be serving as an accountant. You look after people's superannuation, taxes. You could be a doctor looking after people's health, a lawyer. You can be called as a royal priest to minister, to bring God's kingdom to society. You've heard of the seven mountains in education, health, so on, politics, government. Daniel served in politics in the world's superpower at his time. Yet he found time to pray three times a day to fulfill his role as a royal priest. He came into the presence of God. And I want to encourage all of us this morning, it is a reboot of your calling. Some of you know this, some of you may not know this, but I want you to be, number one, first of all, you need to minister before the Lord in His presence. What are the three things that you're called to do? You see, we're called to be salt and light, but even before that, we're called to bring that kingdom influence, but before that, we're called to minister to God. Some of you, I know you, you, you did a fundraising, you showed that movie, Hacksaw Ridge, Desmond Doss, right? And there's that scene where they refuse to go up onto Hacksaw Ridge again because he's doing, he's reading his Bible, he's praying. They're waiting for him to pray before they go back up on the ridge. That is a picture that, that's you, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a housewife, you're a mom, whatever you're doing, before we influence society, we are called to minister to God first. And these three things, okay, there's actually four. I'll tell you the secret one, but the lampstand speaks about the fire. It's about coming before the Holy Spirit. The bread speaks about God's Word. The altar of incense speaks of prayer. And I would say that the fourth thing that's missing from here, this is Moses' tabernacle. What David did was he kept this going at Gibeon, but he took the Ark of the Covenant, the very throne of God, he brought it and set it in his own tent on Mount Zion, and he put worshipers and musicians around it. David created a new prototype. He had a glimpse of heaven. So this 24-7 worship, whatever you want to call it, day, night, he ministered before the Ark. So there are actually four things that go on. Coming before the Holy Spirit, standing before the lampstand, the Word of God, and prayer, and I would add, because of David, worship, song. Music is the atmosphere of heaven. I don't have time to get into that. But these are four things that are going on. Now, I want us to look at the menorah, the lampstand. This is a domestic one. This isn't the real one. But I want you to see a few things in this. 
When we minister to the Holy Spirit, this, for example, this is the only thing, this is the lamp that provides light in the tabernacle. Without this, there's total darkness. You need the light and the fire of the Holy Spirit. The priests are to light the lamps that are there. I don't have time to get into all of it, but just a few interesting things. There are seven branches. Can you see the center branch? When Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the what? Branches. This is what he's talking about. When Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, can we look at this? Do you know that there are buds, there are fruits on this? So when Paul talks about the nine gifts of the Spirit, now let's look at this. Sorry, this is the fruit of the Spirit, first of all. Count them. There's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these are fruits of the Spirit, the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Where did Paul get that concept? Right there. It's there. This is the pattern. And then when Paul talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of knowledge to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, to another miraculous power, prophecy, um, discernment between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. These are all the work of the one and the same Spirit. This is it. This is where they got their pattern from. All right? Now, the base of it, if you look at the base, you see the three stands, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. But I want you to see that this speaks about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there are seven flames there. And if we look at the seven branches, in Isaiah 11:2, it says, can we read this together? From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit, count this, of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now, how many did you count? Six, right? The final one, I believe, the seventh, is the Holy Spirit. His holiness. His godliness. His righteousness. All right, so we see the seven branches, manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are there. Now, let's take this a little bit further. In Revelation 4, 5, it says, In front of the throne, there are seven lamps that were blazing or are burning. And John gives the description, these are the sevenfold Spirit of God. The sevenfold Spirit of God. So in other words, before the very throne of God, you see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit as what? Fire, as lampstands, burning. So much so that on the day of Pentecost, when the promise of the Holy Spirit was given, what appeared on the heads of all the believers? What appeared? Flames of fire. Flame on. Flame on, all right? When the Holy Spirit comes, he manifests as fire. When John looks at Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, he looks into the eyes of Jesus, right? He says he has hair as white as wool, 
right? His feet were like burnished bronze. But when he looks into the eyes of Jesus, he sees fire. He sees the fire of God. The spirit of Jesus Christ is manifested as fire. And we need to come every day to experience the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I believe tongues, all right, is a manifestation of that. When we pray in tongues. Now, I've come from a traditional background. I was baptized a Catholic, went to a Methodist uniting church, all right? So the whole Pentecostal thing, when I walked into a Pentecostal church, you know, lifting up our hands was a strange thing. Like Will Ferrell, you know, what do I do with my hands? Um, if you've seen some of his movies. Um, raising of hands is a weird thing. But when I walked into a Pentecostal church, there were people dancing on the chairs, all sorts of things. And I know there's a lot of that stuff in Pentecostalism. But can I tell you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is real. It is real. I received it when I was young. And for years, you know, given my skeptical background, I was like, these are just sounds. Why are we repeating these sounds? How many of you speak Mandarin? Oh, yeah, understand Mandarin. Room full of Chinese and only like five people speak Mandarin. What? I can't even speak Mandarin, but I understand little bits of it, right? What are the four tones? Right, you get one word. Ma, 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 ma. I just killed it. Okay. Go back to tongues, Jonathan. Go back to tongues. One word, ma, can mean four different things, right? One can be your mother, one can be your horse. Your mother is a horse. No. no so. Careful, be careful. Be careful. Do you know when you pray in the Spirit, sometimes you pray, the same word can have different meanings in the Spirit. And for years I was wondering, You know, why speak in tongues? Because your spirit is praying, your mind is unfruitful. And I even thought, why not just give prophecies, right? Why don't we just prophesy in English? Why do we give prophecies in the spirit, okay, in in tongues? Because the spiritual language impacts his spirit. There's an impartation that comes through the spirit, and it bypasses, in a sense, the mind. But God can release the understanding later, all right? Um, be happy to talk to you more about that, but that's just an aside. So the fire of the Holy Spirit, we need to encounter the fire of God each day. This is the lampstand, okay? So we need, if you notice, if we come back to this, look at this picture. Oops. The Word is on one side, the Spirit is on one side. The Spirit is on the left, the Word is on the right. A balance between Word and Spirit. I pray the words of God. When I'm praying in tongues, my mind is not just wondering, wondering, you know, what am I going to eat, Vietnamese, Ipin, food after this. But I'm praying, meditating on the Word of God, and I pray the Word of God. Lately, I've been praying Psalms. Psalm 145, I encourage the the worship team. We're going to have a songwriter's uh, worship uh, retreat. And I've told the guys, start on Psalm 145, because the themes in there, there's so much to pray in Psalm 145. There needs to be a balance of the Word and the Spirit. So, 
You need to encounter the fire of God. We need his counsel, his wisdom, revelation, counsel, might. The Holy Spirit wants to give us wisdom. For some of us, we're in a place at a crossroads. What do I do? God will give you wisdom. James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask in faith. God will give it to us liberally, right? But when he gives it to us, don't be like a, a wave tossing about by the wind. When God speaks, you better obey. That's wisdom. Then there's revelation. Some of us need the light. Do you know that the light of the Holy Spirit is meant to illuminate the Word? Think about that. You don't just read the Word of God by yourself with your own understanding. You need the author to bring revelation as you read the Word so that the Logos Word becomes Rima in your life. We should all be looking at God's Word. And you say, you know, you can be reading God's Word and still be in darkness. You say, how, how is that possible? The Pharisees, they knew the Scriptures, but they missed Jesus, the living Word, who was talking to them right in front of them. You can know the Scriptures and miss Jesus, miss the living Word. Can I encourage you? Get into the Word of God. Read it. Read 7, 12 chapters. There are 12 pieces of bread there. Maybe you should read 12 chapters a day. Not study, just read it to wash. It washes you. It cleanses us. So if, if you're like me, you love to study. Yes, journaling, we do one verse or two verses. But just read it. And if you have trouble, you get, oh, this is so good. Just read with a highlighter and highlight. Come back to it later. But just read it. Get the Word of God into you. All right, really important. Now, what I really want to focus on is this final thing right here, okay? So it's the altar of incense. Let's look at the altar of incense very quickly. The altar of incense is the place of prayer. Now, it is a horned altar. When they talk about altars, you see the four horns. With the brazen altar, they would use it to tie the animals down right, so to burn them. But this one, this is the altar of incense. And I'm going to take us to Isaiah chapter 6 because God gave me a prophetic word for us. Now, there were times when the priest would hold the, horn, the horns of the altar. Now, David says this in Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. When you stand in that place of prayer, you have the light of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit, you have the Word of God come into that place of prayer. Now, in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he had a vision, an open heaven vision. He sees the temple of God. The train of his robe filled the temple. And I want you to notice a few things in Isaiah chapter 6. First of all, you see that he sees the Uzziahs died in his life. What are the Uzziah desires in your life that need to die? Uzziah was a king full of pride. He wanted to burn incense in the presence of God. He wanted to do things his own way. Some of us, as I said, are so full of pride, God can't even speak into it. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The Uzziah desire. Some of us are so focused on the things of this world, we don't even have God's desires here. 
Let the Uzziahs die in our life. Then he sees the Lord, right, seated upon the throne. God needs to be enthroned in your life. I believe Chris, Pastor Chris spoke about this last week. The kingdom of God is about the Holy Spirit. It's about Christ. You need to, like that precious pearl, he has to be everything in our lives. Amen. Put him first. The other things will come. Trust me on that. Then he says, if we cut to this, um, the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. God is going to shake some of us. He's going to shake you up, shake up some of, our, some of our foundations. He needs to be the rock in our lives. Sometimes we go off and we do our own thing. I, I, I get worried praying for business people, right? Because they say, I'm going to, can you pray for my business? And before they know it, they're opening on Sunday. They stop coming to church, right? And they drift away from God. Backsliding, you don't just stop coming to church. The picture of backsliding is like a boat which is tied up to a, to a, a jetty. And imagine letting go of the rope and the boat just gently drifts off. That's the picture of backsliding in the book of Hebrews. Chris can teach you the book of Hebrews. That's the picture of backsliding. It happens so slowly. Watch out for that, okay? Then the foundations were shook and it says the house was filled with smoke. The temple of God. Do you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And the temple needs to be full of smoke. What is the smoke? Is the incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Your life needs to be filled, like our church when it caught fire. It needs to be full of smoke, full of the incense in your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you full of prayer? Are you full of the incense of God? Because when you are full, when you are full of the presence of God, oops, I've lost the thing here. Yeah, sorry. I don't know how to get back. But, oh, they put it up. When you are full of the fire of God and that prayer, something then begins to happen. Then the call of God, it says here that the seraphim, flew to me, having in his hand a burnt, look at this, a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from where? From the altar. It is in the place of prayer that that burning coal, the source of it, the burning coal was taken and it touched the lips of Isaiah. And he said, woe am I. I am a man of unclean lips. In other words, my heart is not right. Okay, and it cleansed him, and when it purified him, what happened? Then the call of God came upon his life and said, who will go for us? Who will speak to the nation? And Isaiah's response was, here I am, send me. If you want to know the call of God in your life, if you want to know his purpose, his destiny, you have to come to the place of prayer. You have to come into the place of prayer. This is where the Holy Spirit is going to lead us and guide us step by step. And we need to be full of that. Now, in this place of prayer, this is when the Holy Spirit will speak. 
And I'm praying this morning for fire. We're going to have a time of ministry, particularly those who are not sure of their calling. I really want to pray for you. But we're going to pray for certain people. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak, maybe to some of us individually. But this morning, let the smoke begin to fill the house. You've heard the saying, smoke house. Okay. I want you to encounter God this morning. You know, what do you pray when you're in God's presence? I want you to pray for wisdom. There's a lot more that could be said about kingdom culture and all that. But I want you to see this with David and Solomon. The time that we're praying for cities, we're about to have a 21 days of prayer and fasting starting on the 1st of June in our church. Um, We want to see our cities one. We want to see family members come to Christ. We want to see our nation change for God. And every revival is preceded by massive prayer, fervent, effective prayer. God deals with His house first. Now, the greatest nation under that experienced the culture or kingdom culture was Israel. The greatest city that experienced kingdom presence, culture, was the city of Jerusalem. And it was under David and then Solomon. When you see Solomon, you can go to Israel now. We studied archaeology. Solomon was an architect. Solomon was a brilliant man, an engineer. He got into all sorts, all areas of the seven mountains. And that's where you see kingdom influence coming upon a nation. And it was greatest during David and Solomon. But actually Solomon's time. But it was built on the foundation of his father, David. First things first, what was the one thing that David asked for? In Psalm 27, he says, One thing I ask, one thing I seek, is that I may gaze and dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of God. It starts in the place of intimacy. If you're going to impact your workplace, if we're going to impact the city of Melbourne and affect the nation of Australia, it starts with us being intimate with the Holy Spirit. It is in that place. Amen. This morning, I want to pray for those of you. Maybe you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, if, 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 if I had to leave, right, if I was like Paul, and I had to leave a city, my boat was coming the next morning, and I had some new believers with me, and I had one more night with them, just one night with them. You know what I'd teach them? I would teach them, number one, how to hear God and to be filled, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit guides us into all truth. So I want you to experience that. So this morning, I want to pray uh, for certain people, You're all okay? You're all good? Yep. Should we stand up? We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to to minister. I'd just like you to raise your hands before God. Let's just open our hearts before Him. We said humility is the key. Are you prepared to surrender? Surrender your lives before God. We've talked about altars. 
I want you to lay hold of the altar of prayer this morning and say, God, I surrender. You are my rock. You are my shield. You are the horn of my salvation. Can you lay hold of the altar this morning? Take hold of the horns of the altar and begin to cry out to God. Can you begin to pray? If you pray in the Spirit, just pray. Just ask God, Lord, be the horn of my life, the horn of my salvation. I want you to pray for the call of God. Many of you may not know the call of God upon your life, and I want to open up the altar for that. I'm going to invite you to come and pray, but I want to maybe pray for a few people. I know it's Is Dr. Cliff here? Is Cliff here this morning? If you're here, can you come to the front? Pray for Cliff. We always do a birthday blessing, so we're going to pray for you. Where are the other doctors, actually? Do we have other doctors in the house? Would you like to come up? Because I want to pray for all the doctors as well. See, Cliff was, I think, the first surgeon from ICC the first surgeon from ICC in our church in, in Brisbane. So if you're, if you're a doctor, can you come? I want to pray for, for you as well as a group. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Is Peng Hong here? Uncle Peng Hong? Is Uncle Peng Hong here? We have the lights on. Pray for all the doctors. Thank you. Call him Uncle Peng Hong. I hope you don't mind. But Uncle Peng Hong, I mean, I see some of this in the natural, but I really want to encourage you this morning that as a leader, you are like, you have like a Daniel anointing upon your life, right? God has given you access to politicians, even into government, even in the business realm. You are like a Daniel. You carry like a Daniel anointing. And you're actually an encourager. You're someone who value adds to people. When you see people around, you actually lift people up. You are a lifter. You lift people up. God has anointed you to lift and raise other people up around you. You are an encourager. And I want to encourage you, even as you function as a Daniel, as you move into prayer and know the presence of God, the fire of God is actually going to raise other people up. You're going to have even prophetic insight. You probably already have even to other people's lives. And like a Daniel, God, pray for the di that dimension of prophecy, dreams, and visions. Prophecy, dreams, and visions will operate in a greater measure in your life. Minister first to Him, and God is going to take care of the other stuff. All right? And you're going to bring the kingdom influence even into the business corporate world, even into politicians. God, there's a favor upon you. We know that. There's a favor upon you. But God is going to use you to lift others up. 
even if they don't become Christians, you still encourage them. You still value add to them. So, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray the fire of the Holy Spirit come upon them. Your Son, O oh God, empower Him, Holy Spirit. I fan into flame, stir up the gifts of God, even in a greater dimension, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. A greater dimension. Fan it into flame, O oh God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's a word in Isaiah. I want you to read Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. There are things here. I mean, it's, it talks about you know, wine and stuff like that. <laughs> and I know you like wine. But that passage is the wine passage. And I know a few doctors here enjoy wine as well. This is the wine passage in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 5. It's very powerful. And you know, you've been... Cliff has been... I've known Cliff for years, right? So even after I finished studying as a lawyer, Cliff was still studying uh, as a doctor in his, in his specialty. And you know, you studied the heart for years. But God has wanted your heart. God has wanted your heart. And even as Pastor Roland said, uh, a year of jubilee, a setting forth, a freedom that comes. God now wants, He says that you are my vineyard. Your family is your vineyard. Right? There are people in your life, they are your vineyard. And God says, I want your heart. I want your heart in this time. You are my vineyard. I love you. God says that. And there's a whole greater dimension that's going to come with the love of God that's going to come upon you, even in your ministry. It's not just the, you know, the medical side of stuff, but you're going to begin to care for people's heart. And I don't know whether that's in connect group, caring for people, uh, becoming a connect pastor. You need to release that forth. I think you know stretch forth our hands. Can we just pray in the Spirit and invite the ministry team and all that to maybe just come and surround the doctors. We want to pray for them. Uh, even if you're in the medical field, can I just pray for you? Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, Dr. Grace, you have a leadership mantle upon you. When I was praying for you, I saw you as a captain. You have a captain's anointing. You. I don't know whether you've led sporting teams before. Have you played sport? I thought, no, nah, I don't think Grace plays sport. But you are like the captain that if you watch soccer, they rock up to do the kickoff. You're there. You're leading. There's great leadership capacity that God has put upon your life. And God wants to encourage you with that and say, hey, you're going to grow in that leadership. All right? And 
There's great things that God wants to do, many skills that God has given you. But there's this thing about leadership. You are a captain. You're a captain, right, in the house of God, the army of God. You have the ability to call people, gather the troops together to lead your team even into battle. And there's a lot more that it's not just outside in in the hospitals and your medical work, but in the church, you're going to lead teams. All right, so God wants you to rise up to lead teams because God has put so much in you. All right, And, and the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you for that. So Father, I pray. Hey, we're going to open up the front of the church for altar ministry. If you want to be prayed for, if you want to recommit your life to God, I want to encourage you to come up. I'm going to close this in prayer. Um, You know what is so impactful about Jono's life and his message is every time I interact with him, God says to me, because, you know, we debate a ton of things. God says to me, where's the altar for the Holy Spirit and presence in your life, Chris? How's that going? And I tell you, you can be a Christian for years and forget to keep the Holy Spirit and God's presence in your life, front and center. So the one line I wrote down was kingdom culture begins in the Holy Spirit. Kingdom culture begins with your fire with God. Father, I pray for today's word that has gone out. I pray, Lord God, that you reignite that fire in our life. I pray, Lord God, that you help us kingdom focused. You help us, Lord, to build and to rise up to our calling as a royal priesthood that we would worship you all of our days. We commit all of this into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I encourage you to, um, if you want to chat, yeah, if you want prayer, please come up. But if you're chatting, it's a great day outside. Can I encourage you to take the conversation outside? Um, There is IPIN uh, food fundraiser on so there's Vietnamese food but if you're coordinating and chatting please take that outside and we're going to try and keep the atmosphere here uh, of prayer and of worship God bless